Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, to all of you listeners of this beautiful station, a station of Divrei Torah, Divrei Musa, Divrei Halacha. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC, and I would like to speak about the parasha Be'alotcha, specifically about the last few pesukim of Perek Yud, the 10th Perek, and uh, the beginning of a passage Yud Aleph, Perek Yud Aleph. <clears throat> Chazal tell us that in this Psukim, uh, the Torah is describing three different Puraniyut, three different uh, calamities that happened to the Bnei Israel. They sinned, and some of them were punished. What's the first one? Va'is'u mehar Hashem. Now, it's not very obvious to the layman that there are three Puran youth over here, but Chazal tells us that it is. Meaning that they really took themselves away from, from Hashem, from the Torah of Hashem. And they describe like a schoolboy who runs away from his classes. They ran away. Uh, it was too much for them, the Torah Shebe all the misvot are involved in the Torah. That was the first one. The second one was Vaihi Ha'am Kemit Onenim. The people started to complain. Not for anything special, just complain. And the complaints were Rabbi Ozne Hashem. The complaints were bad in the ears of Hashem. And Hashem heard, he was angry. And he sent a fire. And this fire was against them. And it consumed at the edge of the camp. Or who's at the edge of the camp? What we call the Erev Rav. What is the Erev Rav? I'm sure you've heard uh, uh, this uh, two words before. Mixed multitude. That was the people that came out of Egypt with the Jews, but they were really were not Jews, they were Egyptians. And these Egyptians, they wanted supposedly to convert and become together, go together with the Jews and become Jews. But it's those Erev Rav that have been really uh, bringing upon the Bnei Israel the worst. The Egel Zahab, for example, the golden calf, was started by the Erev Rav. And here it says, And Ha'am, whenever it says Ha'am, it also means the Erev Rav. That's the people, the mixed multitude that were not uh, Jewish, they were Egyptians, but they wanted to become Jews. And finally, there was another one. And that is, Suf. What does that mean, Vehasaf Suf? Again, it means the Erev Rav, the mixed multitude. They had a desire. What was his desire? They wanted to eat meat. And if you notice that between the first tragedy and the second, there are two Pesukim there that are marked with a reversed noon at the beginning of them and a reversed noon at the end of the second pasuk. 
why why they reversed noon over there according to rashi he says akadosh baruch made in the torah he made a siman a sign before and after in order not to have three poraniot one after the other we didn't want to list the uh, the three there's three sins that they did one after the other that's a uh, that's that's what Rashi is telling us. I've heard once a different pshat, a very interesting pshat. We know that Torah nimshela lemayim. Torah is compared to water. Hoi tzame, hoi kol tzame lechu lemayim. If you're thirsty, meaning thirsty for learning, for studying, lechu lemayim, go to water, meaning the Torah. At the same time, the Bnei Israel are compared to fish, as it says, they should multiply like fish. Now we know that fish can only live in water. So just like the fish can only live in water, the Bnei Israel who are compared to fish can only live with the Torah. Without the Torah, there's no life. So what happened here? They went away from the derech of the Torah. They went away. They did the opposite of what the fish is doing. The fish has to live in the water. We have to live also in the Torah. But did the opposite. They did the reverse. Now we know, or those of you who know Aramaic, that noon means what? Means fish. So being that they did the reverse of the fish, so that we have a siman over there, the noon reverse. That noon is the fish. Telling us they want really, they did the reverse what the fish do. The fish always go into the water. We're supposed to go into the Torah. But they just took themselves away from, from the mitzvot. Now, what happened with the safsuf? This is the third one which I'm going to, really speak about a little longer. The Erev Rav, they had a desire. What's the desire? They want to eat meat. But what's wrong with the man? You know the man? The man could do anything with it. You can have any time. You can bake it, cook it, fry it, whatever. You know, especially nowadays, we can understand that there's something called tofu. I can take a tofu and make I can do almost anything with it. I can make ice cream with it. I can make fake burgers with it. Fake cheese. Uh, veggie burger. All kinds of things you could do with the tofu. So we can understand there is such a thing as a substance that you can make, they make it taste almost like anything else. The manna was even better than that. And the taste was the taste of Gan Eden. But they didn't want it. They wanted meat. Now the question that we have is, okay, they wanted meat. Fine, why don't we give them meat? What's wrong? What's wrong with someone saying, okay, the manna is, man is good, terrific, delicious, but you know what? I also want, I want meat. Now, just like they were talking about abatichim, you know, that they were giving them the uh, melon, watermelon, that's not that, that never happened. 
שזכרנו את הדגה. We remember the fish that the Egyptians gave us free of charge. Away. They wouldn't even give them the straw to make the bricks. They're going to give them fish for free? It's just for uh, complaining and looking for reasons to complain and to make trouble. But let's say, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They want me, so let's, let, let's give them the wheat. Why not? The pshat is different. We have to understand it in a different, in a different way. The man, Chazal tells us that when the manna was falling, depending on what is the piety of the person, then it would either come close, somewhere a little further, or even far away. If a person is a tzaddik, then the manna will come in right at his doorstep. If a person is a benoni, maybe a couple of blocks away. If a person is a rasha, he did something wrong, he sinned, then he would have to walk maybe a mile. Now what happened now is, if someone sinned, next morning he's going to know. He's going to go far away, maybe a mile away. Then everybody's going to see that he's that this man sinned because, because the manna didn't fall at his doorstep. And when he gets there, he sees a few others that are with him, and they all say, oh, this guy sinned, this guy sinned. This is what they didn't want. They did not want that their sin should be revealed at any time. They wanted to stay unknown. Even if they sinned, no one should know about it. They didn't want the manna because that, con- that shows that they sinned. They wanted regular meat like everybody else. That doesn't show anything. Now, it's interesting to note that in Parashat Ekev, what it says over there, Vayanecha vayar'ibecha vaya'achilecha et haman. It says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Borei Olam, he afflicted the Bnei Israel. He starved them. Why? By giving them the man. How do we understand that? Well, there are many pshatim. But perhaps one of the pshatim that goes with what you just said now, if when a person sins, he, has, he knows he has to go far away, and he knows people are going to see him, what does he do? He says, okay, today I'm not going. I'm not going to go. Tell him to make teshuvah, do whatever. Not going to go. So he doesn't go. What happens? Then he has no food. He starves. So maybe that's what it means. Because of the man, the manna that, and they were afraid to go after it because they sinned. They didn't have it, so they, they starved themselves. Perhaps you can understand it that way. Another thing that the Hachamim tells us is that the case of Sota never happened in the desert. That was afterwards. Why? For the same reason. What a sota is? The sota is a wayward wife. A wife that was suspected by her husband to have secluded herself with another man. And the husband has warned her not to go with that man. And there were witnesses that she did, but no one knows what happened. 
whether she sinned or didn't, or whether the man with her sinned or not. In the desert, there was no reason for going to the Kohen and go through the whole procedure to find out if she were innocent or not, because the next morning we will know. If the manna comes next to the door, at the doorstep, then we know she is innocent. And the man that was with her is innocent. The Sutta was not, there was no case, the whole procedure of going to the Kohen was not necessary because of the same reason. But they didn't want that. They did not want that the people should know if they did innocent, they wanted just to be free. But you see, this idea of a person trying to do things but it doesn't want anyone to know about it, this is like a person who is uh, sinning basiter in secret. It's no good. It can't be. We have a Mishnah in Masachet Avot. Ayin ve'ozen shomat. There is a big, huge eye that's looking at everybody. Ozen shomat, there's an ear that hears everything. If person says, Lashonara, there's someone hearing out there. V'chol ma'asecha, Every deed that a person does in this world is written, it's recorded. There's a very huge database upstairs, perhaps billions of terabytes. Everything that a person does will be recorded. So you can't get away from it. What does that mean? I'm going to be doing something Basete in secret. People may not know, but Hashem knows. You know that famous story of Rabbi Hanan and Zakai when he was about uh, to, to, to die at his deathbed and his Talmidim came to him and uh, asked him, give us a beracha. So he told him, you hear a song? May it be the will of the, of the Almighty that your fear of the Borei Olam should be the same as the fear that you have from the human being. And the Talmudim said, you know, what, what, what kind of a beracha is this? Very simple. When a person wants to sin, what does he do? He looks one way, looks the other way, and he sees nobody around. So finally, what about the one upstairs? What about Galash Baruch Hu is looking? That he doesn't look at. So that's why he told me, Not so simple. But you see, Rabbi I want to tell you something about the opposite. Just like Rasha would like to sin and no one know about it, a tzaddik would like very much to do a good deed, but sit there without people knowing about it. There are people that do mitzvot and they don't want people to know about it. There are many people give a charity, uh, but sit there. They don't want anyone to know. I have, I have uh, many, many stories about that that happened throughout the ages of our history. 
Matamba Sete is probably the best way to give charity. On the other hand, a person who gives charity and people know about it, he still gets to say that he gets the reward. But Matamba Sete is a little bit better than that. Now, Tzadikim do things, they do deeds, and they don't want people to know about them. I'm going to tell you a little short story about the Chafetz Chaim Shalom. We all know how great, what a Torah giant and a tzaddik the Chafetz Chaim was. He passed away around 1937. Way prior to that, perhaps 25 to 30 years before that, one of his Talmidim, one of his students was sick. And he had a, a sickness that the doctors at the time could not recognize. Did you know what to do? They told him, sorry, we, can't, we don't know what to do with you. So what does he do? There's no trufa. There's no medicine for this. And it keeps getting worse and worse. So he's a Talmud of the Chavez Chaim, so he goes to his rabbit. Tell me what to do, please. Give me a beracha. Do something. So the Chavez Chaim takes out a piece of paper. He writes down the name of somebody like 20, 30 miles away. And he says to him, go to that man there and ask him to give you a beracha for you to recover, to get better. So he did. He went to the man. The man gave him a beracha. And sure enough, little by little, he recovered. And the Chafetz Chaim told him, please make sure you never tell this to anyone else. This is, keep it as a secret. Some 25 years later, this Talmud already got married, he had children, everything was fine, except that his sister-in-law, his wife's sister, she contracted a kind of sickness that was pretty much the same as what he had uh, 25 years before. And again, the doctors don't know what to do. And being that he has told his wife that he had some weird sickness once and, and uh, you know, Baruch Hashem, it was better. So his wife kept on nudging him, please, what did you do? How did you recover? Please. No, he couldn't tell her because it was supposed to be a secret. But after so many complaints and complaints from his wife, he figured, oh, maybe, you know, it's 25 years already, so... Now it's all right, he can already divulge the secret. So he told her, he wanted a Chavez Chaim, and the Chavez Chaim told him to go to somebody, and uh, that's how he recovered. Oh, very good. So he goes with his wife, his sister-in-law, he goes to the Chavez Chaim. And at this point, the Chavez Chaim was like uh, already almost close to his... His time to go to Olam Abba. He was frail, very, very weak. And he presented him with the same type of problem for his sister-in-law that he had some 25 years before. 
and the Chavir Shchayim looks at him and says to him, you see, 25 years ago, I was much younger. I was much stronger. I fasted 40 days so that you recover. 40 days. But you see, the Chafetz Chaim gave him that piece of paper. I was just a subterfuge. It meant nothing. The reason why he recovered is because the Chafetz Chaim, he fasted for him 40 days. Not because of the Barakadat, but the Chafetz Chaim did not want him to know about it. There are Sadiqim that do things and they keep things always basetir. They don't want people to know about them. This, Rabotai, this is a great lesson that we should learn from here. And that is, if you are thinking of going, you know, I'm going to go to a restaurant, you know, this restaurant, eh, yeah, it's not kosher, but you know what, I can, I'm going to eat only fish. I said, it's Okay. But I'm going to go to a restaurant where there's no one there that knows who I am. Or I'm, I'm, uh, you're traveling someplace and no one knows you over there. And you said to yourself, oh, now it's okay, I can do that. There's no way you can walk into a non-kosher restaurant and get anything that would be kosher. This, it's impossible. There are too many problems involved. Unless it is kosher with a proper hashgacha, you can't do it. This is Rabotai, the lesson we're learning from here. These people that uh, with, that, that that said zachanu uh, daga and so on and so forth. Perhaps, just perhaps, it's not just the fact that they just wanted meat. They wanted to be like everybody else. We don't want people to know that we are sinning. We want to stay unknown, incognito. This is impossible. Because in our religion, we believe that Hashem is always looking, always looking down. He looks at everybody. One of the main uh, principles of Judaism is not only that Hashem exists, but that Hashem is looking down and he controls everyone and he sees what everyone does. The concept of reward and punishment because HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows what we are doing. So Be'ezat Hashem, let's learn from this lesson. We cannot just go ahead and do things thinking, oh, as long as no one's seeing me, that's okay. It doesn't work that way. So Be'ezat Hashem, let's be like the Hafez Chaim. Try to do the good things without anybody knowing, but Hashem will know. But stay, always stay away from those things. Like Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai says, Let's have the fear of Hashem, the same as the fear of the human being. And doubt, without a doubt, 
we'll be doing the right things at all times. Yeratzon, that we should be really very strong about it, that we should really take our mitzvot very seriously. And Be'ezat Hashem with that, HaKadosh Baruch will send us our Mashiach Tzitkenu. Amen. Please do not forget this beautiful station here. If you can help out, please do so. And as usual, let me just tell you, we have a beautiful uh, a, a Simcha Hall. Simcha Hall, a, a catering hall, and if you're interested, any Simcha that you have, please contact us. Thank you. Shavuot Tov.